Thank you for downloading this man-to-man podcast from Awakened Heart Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Dr. Scott Engelman and the Awakened Heart Ministries team on our website at ahm4.life. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize something dark and sinister is happening in the world today right in front of our very eyes. Truth is being persistently distorted. Biology is being vehemently denied. Morality is being shamelessly dismissed. And Christianity is being arrogantly deconstructed. Everything has turned inside out and upside down as our secular, woke culture systematically wages war against the goodness of God's rule and created order. You may be asking, where is God in all of this? Why is he allowing this upside down to happen? Are these the last days? And if not, then what is God up to? If questions like these are on your mind, then please join us in this series, What on Earth is God Doing? As we look for answers from the context of God's larger story. We think this series will be biblically enlightening, spiritually refreshing, and personally challenging as its purpose is to help Christian men better understand how they can actively participate with God in this current spiritual battle in a more meaningful and effective way. Well, as we get started again, prior to the break, remember we saw that uh, Jesus' strategy to win the cosmic war took a V-shape, took a V-shape. Jesus went down to defeat, the strategy took him, and then went up to victory. And this was a strategy of Jesus of of intentional misdirection. And so the question is this, if down was the cross, what is up? What is up? And what we're going to see is up is resurrection. Up is resurrection. Notice the progression of the strategy we see specifically in um, uh, Philippians. The Jesus as the preexistent son and coming king becomes the incarnate son and loyal king who becomes the crucified son and the defeated king who then uh, is, becomes the risen son and victorious king through the, through the event of the resurrection. So we move from the crucified son and defeated king to the risen son and the victorious king. And so the question we need to ask is this, how are we to understand the resurrection in light of the story of Jesus? How does the story of Jesus present the resurrection? Well, let me, a couple ways that it does not present the resurrection. The resurrection is not the happy ending to a sad and tragic story that we all hope for. It isn't like, oh yeah, okay, that was a great ending, now we can be happy. It's not the, the happy ending. Although it is a good ending, it's not just that. It's much more than that. And it's not Jesus going to heaven in a spiritual state after he died on the cross. You know, a lot of people think, well, yeah, Jesus... Jesus' resurrection is he, he went to heaven when he died. He didn't stay in the grave. He went to heaven. And, and our resurrection will be like going to heaven too. That's not how the Bible, the story of Jesus presents the resurrection. 
And neither is the resurrection presented as God rescuing Jesus in appreciation for Jesus dying on the cross. Hey, Jesus, you, you did what I asked you to do. Great, thanks. And now I'll, I'll give you a little reward and I won't keep you in the grave. You know, come on back up. It's not that. And neither is it one of many miracles that Jesus did simply to prove that uh, who he said he was. I'm the son of God. Well, prove it. Well, I can do this. I can do this. And I can do this. And, and if you really still don't believe me, I can do this. Now, did that prove that he was the Son of God? Yeah, but it's much more than just a miracle to prove his identity. So if it's not these things, what is the resurrection as told in the story of Jesus? Well, the resurrection is a unique, unprecedented event with many fingers. First, it is a cosmic event. Colossians 2, declaring Jesus' cross was a victory over cosmic enemies, not a defeat. In other words, it was through the cross that they were defeated, but the resurrection says, see this? You are defeated. He wasn't defeated in the cross. The resurrection declares the victory was real. Second, Romans 6 tells us it's a space-time event. It happened in history by which Jesus passed through death. He really died, but then he wasn't just resuscitated. He died, experienced the full state of death, and then he passed through death out of it into a new embodied life, a physically embodied life that was no longer subject to death. He died, and as a result, he would die no more. He was raised, and as a result, he would, be, would die no more. Lazarus was not resurrected. Why? Because Lazarus died again. Lazarus and you, if you have trusted Christ, someday we will be resurrected. And as a result, we will pass through the state of death, out of it, into new life like Jesus, never to die again. That's when death will be defeated. Third, we see in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 15, it was a spirit-empowered event that declares Jesus is Israel's true Messiah, King, come to rule the world. He really is King. He really has come to rule the world. That's what it declares. 1 Corinthians 15 also says it's the key and necessary event to reversing the sinful effects of the rebellious uprisings of Genesis 3 through 11. Somehow the resurrection is that which begins to reverse it all. Fourth, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 says Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits event that anticipates a full harvest of additional future resurrections of the king's subject. If you are the subject of the king through faith in Jesus, guess what? There is a resurrection awaiting you and me as well. And how do we know that? Look at Jesus. What you see, Jesus, is what we will experience. And because he's doing it, it's a guarantee that it will happen to us as well. And lastly, Philippians 3.20, it's a transforming event that launches God's new creation project of reuniting the realms of heaven and earth. 
Heaven and earth are going to come back together. That Venn diagram is going to happen again. And in that in-between place, that's going to be that Edonic place where God lives and God's throne is and where we will again live with God. Additionally, it's interesting that each of the Gospels, while they talk about, they, they present the resurrection, they all present the resurrection from a completely different viewpoint. They want us to have a different viewpoint of the resurrection. For example, Matthew says that Jesus' resurrection exalts him to the position of Israel's rightful king and the world's true Lord. Mark says that Jesus' resurrection launches the coming of God's kingdom in power. Luke says that Jesus' resurrection opens the door for the nations to return to God through repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And John says that Jesus' resurrection gives birth to the new Genesis and God's new creation. Now, I want you to notice something about all four of this and what we also already saw about the resurrection. Each of these viewpoints places the resurrection in a context. And what is the context it places it in? The context of victory in God's cosmic war story. The resurrection points to the victory of Jesus, the risen son, the victorious king in the war story of God. So then, the resurrection is the upswing in the V-shaped victory uh, of Jesus, that strategy. It is the single unique event that raises up the crucified son and defeated king to the triumphant status of risen son and victorious king. And it is the event that declares that the cross really has dealt a death blow to the cosmic enemies, to the bulls of Bashan that stood around the cross and stood in the way of God's plan for rescuing his broken creation and his alienated human family. It can all happen now. But that's not all. What I want you to see is this. The upswing to victory doesn't stop with the resurrection. And so often we think that's where it stops. That's where we stop thinking about it. But that's not where it stops. Where does it stop? It stops and is completed with the ascension of Jesus back to heaven. And there he is the son of God in power and not just the victorious king, but now he is what? The enthroned king. The enthroned king. Notice Acts 1, 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, he's speaking to his disciples, while they looked on, he was raised up and a cloud received him so that they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. And two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now notice there's a timeline I want us to see. 
There's a timeline from the bodily resurrection of Jesus where he comes out of the tomb and he's seen by many. And this bodily ascension of Jesus into heaven where he's seen by many leave. And the timeline is there's a 40-day period in which Jesus raises from the dead and he goes back to heaven. He ascends bodily back to heaven. And my question is this. What happened in those 40 days? Was Jesus just kind of hanging out? Or was something going on? Well, what we learn from Matthew 28, uh, Matthew 16, Luke 24, uh, that should be Mark 16, uh, Acts 1, 1 Corinthians 15, is that Jesus was preparing his disciples for their new role in doing family business as family members. They got something to do now. And Jesus is preparing them for that role now that he is going to be gone. Now, what is that role? He is specifically helping them to connect the dots. Get this now, guys. To connect the dots in God's war story with the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is going to come. And he is going to rule and everything is going to be made right again. And he's helping them connect the dots in regards to Israel's place in this kingdom. And what's all has to happen. The place of the divorced nations. What has to happen with them. And their role in all of this. But what I want to ask is, it's in this context that the ascension takes place. And so how does the ascension fit into all of this? Well, let's look and see. First of all, the ascension is not, like you'll hear a lot of people say, the migration or the journey of the disembodied soul of Jesus back up to heaven to be with the Father. Like we're all on this this journey, and death is this, this uh, freedom from the enslavement to the, the body, and now we're disembodied and free forever. That's not what's happening here. And neither is it Jesus going back to heaven to prepare a place forever with uh, him to live with him in the Father's house. John 14, 2. That's not what's happening here either. You know, Jesus has been up there for the last 2,000 years building a mansion. That's not what's going on. How do we know that? Well, the resurrection means that Jesus forever exists in embodied human form. So when he returns to heaven, it's not as in disembodied spirit. It's what? A human body, unlike any other human body, a new resurrected human body is going to heaven. Second, we also know that heaven is not our forever home. It's only temporary. Where is our forever home? The new creation here on earth. In new physical resurrected bodies. Also, Jesus prepared a place in God's family for us by going to the cross, not to heaven. Why? Because it was at the cross he defeated sin, and it was at the cross he defeated the enemies. So it's not Jesus going to heaven to prepare a place for us. The ascension is not that. So what is it then? Well, in the Bible, 
heaven is always viewed as God's realm. It's God's space. Earth is always viewed as what? Our realm and our space. And that's why when you have the Venn diagram again, you have this circle and this circle, God's space, our space, and the two intersect, that intersection is Eden. It's where they intersect. It's where we meet to worship God. And it's where we get our marching orders out of which we go into our realm to do what? Serve him. Now, if that's true, then the the ascension suggests that it's about Jesus as the triumphant victor being enthroned as king at the Father's right hand, having received all power and authority to do what? To rule everything. In fact, that's what Philippians says. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, as a result of him going to the lowest place on that V, the crucified son. As a result, God exalted him to the highest place. And notice the highest place isn't resurrection. The highest place is what? Enthronement. And he gave to him the name that is above every name. What's that name? He's going to tell us. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And what's under the earth? The underworld. And every tongue declare that Messiah Jesus, or King Jesus, could be understood, that King Jesus is Lord. That's his name. He is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. In other words... The ascension is about Jesus being enthroned at God's right hand to sovereignly rule forever over everyone, everything, and everywhere. That's what it's about. That's why we sing, Worthy is the Lamb to receive honor and glory and dominion. Why? Because he's enthroned above all. The ascension declares that because Jesus' present status is the enthroned king, the whole world now owes him absolute submission and unquestioned allegiance. In other words, Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. And he's not just Lord of heaven. He's Lord of what? Remember what he says to the disciples, Matthew 28? All authority. Where? in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. The ascension activates the new covenant and the sending of the Spirit, which works to reverse the effects of the flood and the uh, the Babel uprisings. We're going to talk more about that next time, specifically. But what we see here is, remember what Jesus says, unless I go, the Spirit cannot come. And by going, he meant to be ascended and enthroned. And when Jesus is enthroned, the new covenant promised in the Old Testament that God would no longer work through the letter of the law, but now through our heart, he would change our hearts, that now has been activated. That's the giving of the Spirit. And we're going to look at that next time. And what we're going to see in in Ephesians 4 is that the whole giving of the Spirit and the giving of gifts is all connected to Psalm 68. You know what Psalm 68 is all about? It's about Yahweh charging the hill of Mount Bashan 
and winning the victory. And it's winning the victory, and he has the booty. And you know what the booty is from victory? It's the dispensing of the gifts to you and me. And finally, the ascension strengthens us. There is an embodied human being. Think of it, guys. Right now, wherever the realm of heaven is, there is an embodied human being seated at the right hand of the Father on the cosmic eternal throne who Hebrews 9 and 10 says is not only our king, but he is our high priest. He intercedes for us. And as our high priest, he also, Hebrews says what? He understands us. You know what that tells us? It's from this high place of power that Jesus prays for us. And so then, what do we see? The ascension in the climax is the climax in the final upswing of the Jesus strategy for victory. It begins, as we've seen, he eternally lives with the Father, God of God, in shared glory and mutual love. He then enters our world as the son of David to do what Israel failed to do. And that is to be a light to the nations, to fulfill God's plan of restoring the nations back to himself. And how he does that is through this great act of believing loyalty and love, he defeats the cosmic enemies and reverses the effects of the cosmic uprisings through a sacrificial death on the cross. And it was a strategy of misdirection. He gave them rope to hang themselves. He then passes through death and comes out the other side in a new embodied life, launching God's new creation project. But he doesn't stop there. He now sits enthroned as the world's true king, forever worthy of all worship, glory, and honor. And guys, you know what this is called? This is called the good news of the gospel. The gospel is much more than Jesus loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And if you just sign the dotted line, he'll forgive your sins and you go to heaven when you die. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is king. And that this king has done everything to fulfill the plan of God in defeating the cosmic enemies and, and defeating the sin that enslaves us and to bring us back into God's family in a new creation and to be again in a place where there is no need of light because the Lamb, God, lights the place. We will do what we've been created to do, and we will be what we've been created to be. Male image bearers who are created to serve God, to honor God, 
to move into the world to subdue it in order to create life-giving environments of order and beauty and life where people can thrive, relationships can flourish, and God's good purposes could be advanced. The closing question, it's this. And maybe you're thinking it. I hope you are. If Jesus won the victory by defeating the God's cosmic enemies through the cross, and then by launching God's new creation through his resurrection, and now is working to establish this new creation on earth as he rules in power as God's enthroned king through his ascension, then why doesn't it seem and feel and look like he does? In fact, it kind of seems and feels and looks like what? The opposite. You know, like J. Vernon McGee used to say, you know, Satan is chained. He's given an awful long chain. You know, what's going on here? Well, there are three possible answers. Number one, it's because Jesus really wasn't victorious, and he really isn't the enthroned king. And if that's the case, then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, then we're, of all people, most to be pitied, and our faith is worthless, and we've died in our sin. Or it's because Jesus was victorious, and he is king, but he is an uninvolved king. He's on the other side of the universe, and he's not really interested in us. He's done his business here, but now he's over there. And we just got to kind of fend on our own, and we're not doing a really great job of it. Or... The third possible answer, it's because the grand narrative of God's larger story, war story, has not yet been fully told. There's a part that you and me still need to play in it. Now, for us to know, for you to know what I think that answer is, you're going to have to come back next time. And next time, what we're going to look at, which I think will be our, our last in this series will be entitled Onward Christian Soldiers. We hope that Scott's message today has encouraged you and helped you to better understand how God intended the power he gave us to be used. Please visit our website at ahm4.life and click on the Resources tab. There you will see the Man to Man podcast and other resources we have available. At AHM, our mission is to provide hope and direction to men in a confusing world through Jesus Christ. Please continue to keep our ministry in your prayers. If you would like to donate to our efforts, visit our website and click on the Giving tab. Man to Man podcasts are provided by Awakened Heart Ministries located in Troy, Michigan.